the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his directions. Bernie it's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and what does that mean? Well, you know what it means. It means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and once again this week, we are going to talk politics. We'll run through that discussion a little bit about Israel and certainly each week about the law as things don't they more and more just come down to the rule of law and are trying to grab a hold of it and protect it because it is being attacked daily. We're going to do that again this week. We're going to talk about two subjects that are related. You may at first blush not think that they are, but indeed uh, indeed they are, and that is election integrity and Afghanistan. Why are they related? Well, we have a new leader in this country. We have a new president. And was he uh, elected uh, fairly, properly, according to our laws? Or not? That's a question that's been asked. It's been asked by many. And we're going to drill down today with someone who knows quite a bit about it, in particular uh, about what occurred in the state of Michigan, one of the key battleground states in the recent election. And uh, that is two-term state senator in the state senate in Michigan and aerospace engineer Patrick Kolbeck will be joining us momentarily on the Victory Hour to discuss election integrity, to discuss uh, his view of what occurred during uh, this election of November 3, 2020. Many of you have called and have written in regarding understanding, you know, on the surface what is being alleged, but asking whether... There is really any substance to it because all I see are these court cases getting thrown out, lawyers getting sanctioned for making arguments about election integrity. I turn on Fox News, they don't even talk about it anymore, and they won't talk about it anymore. Uh, I look at CNN and MSNBC, all they do is say, it's all bunk, it's false, it's lies, don't believe it. So where are the facts, and what are the facts, and can we hear about them? So with Patrick Kolbeck this week, 
we're going to hear some of that, a bit more background regarding it, and I think you're going to learn quite a bit. And next week on the Victory Hour, we're going to have Professor David Clements with us. Uh, and that's going to be another outstanding show in which the professor who has really drilled down, he's a lawyer, he is a professor of business law at New Mexico State University. He spoke at the recent cyber symposium that Mike Lindell put on in South Dakota, and he drills down uh, quite in depth into a number of the issues that we're talking about as well. But Going back to my opening comment, what does that have to do with Afghanistan? Well, I guarantee you what we are seeing in Afghanistan today would not be happening under a different president, in particular President Donald J. Trump. I mean, it just absolutely wouldn't be happening. Yes, both Biden and Trump were going to get out of Afghanistan, but... On a different timetable, I guarantee you, and in a different manner. And it is sad. It is not just disappointing, embarrassing. It is profoundly sad and grievous that we have now lost so many American lives because of the complete and utter incompetence of this administration. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, later on in the show. But first, let's uh, welcome our guest, Patrick Kolbeck, uh, uh, as I said, a two-term state senator from the state of Michigan, a graduate of the University of Michigan with a degree, uh, a master's of science in aerospace engineer, and since that time has worked on the International Space Station on key elements of the uh, life support system. He was... When he was with the uh, or in the Michigan uh, Senate, which, by the way, is term limited to two terms, he did serve eight years in the Michigan State Senate. He was chairman of the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee for the State Police and Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, and he basically turned it around from one of the worst to uh, to number two uh, in the nation in terms of improvements. Related to services. How? Well, he applied performance-based budgets. That's how. Makes sense. He understands systems. And he also understands the word integrity. And he knows when things are uh, not on the up and up. And he calls them out without fear. It's someone like that that I do want to have uh, on the Victory Hour, and I want to talk about his view of the 2020 election. Patrick, thank you very much for joining us today on the Victory Hour. Hey, it's an honor to be with you, Andrew. So let's talk first about uh, kind of an overview of the November 3, 2020 election, the election that uh, ended Donald J. Trump's term as president of the United States uh, and began a changing of the guard and an enormous shift in policy and in results, frankly, here in the United States with the election of uh, Joe Biden, which has been certified. Uh, Patrick, do you question whether, in fact, 
Joe Biden received sufficient votes and uh, and in the Electoral College defeated uh, Donald J. Trump? Or do you believe in the end, even with the various forms of fraud, uh, uh, Joe Biden, in fact, uh, did uh, still prevail? I certainly do question it, but this isn't about President Trump versus Joe Biden. It's not Republicans versus Democrats. This is about a battle, frankly, between those who want to fundamentally transform America and those who want to preserve everything that is noble, true, excellent, praiseworthy, including the rule of law in America. And I think your connection between the 2020 election and what's going on right now in Afghanistan is perfectly appropriate because it's, a lot of people are frustrated with what has happened in America since January 20th. Um, first of all, Democrats are, are discouraged because they're seeing all the stuff that they thought they were voting for not coming into being. They're seeing all the false promises that happened during the campaign. But on the other side, all the people like myself were frustrated. You see H.R. 1, you see H.R. 5, you see these executive orders, you see the, uh, the uh, Keystone Pipeline and the, um, the pain issues we're having all across the country, the labor issues we're having all across the country. Um, and, of course, we see what happened in Afghanistan, and we, we look to it and say, you know what, there's one kerplunk stick that if we pull it out, everything gets fixed, and that is the 2020 election. And not just Donald Trump, but I believe that Senate Majority Leader we have in the U.S. Senate is in question. I believe that the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is in question as well. And until you address the elephant in the room, if you will, that election fraud, you can't be certain that we have the duly elected people uh, in office right now serving us. Well, what do you believe was the uh, uh, election fraud, and, and, and what's the basis for that belief? Well, one of the things, first of all, uh, there's a bunch of uh, uh, disingenuous statements being asserted over and over and over again, which is why your show important, which is why you probably hear some road noise in the back here, that in order to get the word out about what happened in that election fraud, I'm taking to the road and driving all across the state of Michigan. You saw me in Sioux Falls at the Cyber Symposium, and uh, we have to work twice as hard to get the word out about what really happened and getting the truth out. And so uh, one of the misnomer or one of the fake narratives that's being pushed by folks in the media right now around the election was that there was no such thing as election fraud. And I, I got to tell you, it is so frustrating whenever I hear that because in addition to everything you talked about um, in my background on the intro, I was also a poll challenger in Detroit at the TCS Center on election night all the way through the next day. I was there when they put pizza boxes up on the, up on the wall and, and the windows to block people from viewing what was happening inside the TCS Center. So you saw this way, with your was, own eyes. Absolutely, and I was barred from entry, a re-entry, I should say, as a poll challenger. And you know why it's important? Because we only had about a dozen poll challengers for 134 county boards inside that center. And what happened, what happened during that time frame was that they were counting our military ballots. Now, that may not seem like super unusual to most listeners, but when you understand what's involved from an election perspective, it's a big deal. Because what happens and why you need poll challengers in there, why you need an equal number of Republicans and Democrats in there during that time frame is that, 
military ballots come in a format that cannot be read by the tabulators that are used by election workers in the, uh, in the election to tabulate the, the votes. They have to be first transposed from one format, the format that they were delivered in, to a new format that can be read by that scanner, which means that for every single ballot, they are copying it manually from one ballot to another. And so if you don't have oversight, guess what happens? Do you think somebody with Trump derangement syndrome is going to fill in that Trump circle on the new ballot? I don't think so. So it was timed so that, and by the way, I was there all morning. I was there when the delivery truck came in 3.30 in the morning with unsecured ballots. I was crawling around on the floor of the TCF center tracing all the Cat5 cables to routers, verifying that they, all these computers were indeed connected to the Internet. Um, but when it came to the counting of the military ballots, you know, they had those ballots available to count all night long. Poll workers from midnight to about 3 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning were doing absolutely nothing at most of the stations. They could have counted the military ballots then. They didn't. They waited until they had the police in there, waited until they had a group of um, rabble-rousers that were brought in um, to interfere with poll challengers that were more Republican poll challengers. And uh, they waited until they shut additional poll challengers out of the out of there because they did not want us to witness that transposition of ballots from the military format to the TCF format. Patrick, it's it's amazing uh, what you're reporting. I want to continue to talk about this, and we will right on the other side of this short break. We're talking to Patrick Kolbeck, uh, two-term state senator the state of uh, Michigan, who was there the night of the election, who saw with his own eyes and who has drawn certain conclusions regarding integrity and fraud related to the election uh, in Wayne County, Michigan, the deciding county in the state of Michigan for all of their, uh, what is it, 16 electoral votes. And frankly, uh, a critical element in the election of Joe Biden. So we're going to talk, uh, continue our discussion with Patrick on the other side of this break. It's a short break, as you all know, my regular listeners and those who are just listening in. It is short. Don't run far. We're going to be right back. Go to parkerdk.com where you'll see one of the, well, it's often referred to as an award-winning website. Uh... And I think you'll learn about uh, one of the premier law firms in downtown Minneapolis at parkerdk.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're back. Yes, you are listening to the Victory Hour Coast to Coast. That's right. We got folks live streaming from... California to New York, from Florida to Chicago, even internationally, in the U.K. and the Jewish state of Israel as well. My son is returning from Israel. I haven't seen him in quite a long time. Uh, He is a citizen of Israel now, as you most all know. He'll be coming into town next week, so I'm very much looking forward to that. You know, another Israeli came into town this week, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. He was asked to wait, and maybe appropriately so in light of the murder 
by uh, ISIS, apparently, in Afghanistan of many Marines. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in uh, the show, but uh, in light of that, Naftali Bennett asked to wait. You'll recall back when Barack Obama was president, uh, he had uh, Bibi Netanyahu wait for days on end and then get about a five-minute meeting and ushered out the back door of the White House. Is that how Joe Biden's going to treat our greatest ally in the Middle East and perhaps in the world, the Jewish state of Israel? Uh, our, uh, basically, our uh, aircraft carrier in the Middle East, the state of Israel, uh, the, the only country that has uh, been a great ally of ours that has Never asked a single time, ever asked for a soldier, a U.S. soldier to defend uh, its sovereignty there in the Middle East. No, we haven't been sent to fight there, and nor have we been asked. In fact, when offered, it's been rejected. Uh, The Israelis will fight for themselves. We are joined today by Patrick Kolbeck, and we're talking about the integrity of the November 3, 2020 election. And State Senator from Michigan, Patrick Kolbeck, uh, has talked about the fact that they didn't allow poll poll watchers, the very few that existed, they didn't allow them to to eyeball the, uh, the vote tabulation, the vote count. I mean, what's the purpose of poll watchers? There's a reason that we have them. Because we feel we need them. We need the eyes from above. We need the eyes from both sides uh, to watch, to make sure everything's on the up and up, and to provide confidence to the American people. Well, when that's not allowed, it's a serious problem. Also, the router's being connected to the Internet. I mean, the hackability is outrageously simple. Patrick, tell us a little bit more about what you witnessed and the basis for your belief that the numbers that came out of Wayne County, Michigan, are, are really questionable. Well, I, first of all, I want to highlight there's a difference between a poll challenger and a poll watcher. A poll watcher is, like the name implies, we're just sitting around watching. But I was actually a certified poll challenger. Oh, okay. I was trained in election processes, and there are protections in law, in Michigan law, to make sure that I my duties are not interfered with. And I have been tracking all the affidavits that we have in the state of Michigan. I've been tracking all the court exhibits. I've been tracking all the analogies. I have evidence. If you go to my website up at letsfixedup.org, there's a post on there that's a, called the Election Fraud Evidence Primer. And on it, what I do is I map all, that, all those affidavits to uh, back up the fact that 15, at least 15, Michigan election law statutes were violated in the 2020 election. And there are at least three federal laws that were violated as well. And so let's, I just want to repeat, let's fix stuff. L-E-T-S-F-I-X-S-T-U-F-F dot org is where you should go if you want to take a look at a website that has information regarding election fraud witnessed by uh, Patrick Kolbeck and others. Election fraud evidence primer 
is the specific uh, link that you can go to, or I guess it's a tab within the uh, website that you can go to to pull this information up. All right, go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, um, so I'm actually told that I think we're we're the, by my uh, tech support, that uh, we're the fourth most popular site in the world when it comes to looking for election uh, fraud information because we actually just post the actual affidavit. You guys can, your your viewers, your re- everybody who comes to the site, make your own decisions. I'm putting out the facts. I'm putting out links to manuals for these electronic voting systems. You can see how they're designed to connect to the Internet. Um, you can see the court exhibits of communications verifying that these are indeed connected to the Internet. So what's really going on here is what Mike Lindell likes to talk about all the time, is the fact that the media is being disingenuous with their false narrative, suggesting that there is no evidence of election fraud. What they are doing is censoring the sharing of evidence of election fraud. And and when people are saying that there's no evidence that's been, be, been debunked in the courts and none of the judges are taking it up because it doesn't hold any water, that just is not true. And I encourage your listeners to go to another website that I, I uh, often refer to, and it's not my website, but they got great information there. It's called election-integrity.info. And on there, they list all the court cases related to election fraud. And contrary to the narrative that says that they're all being thrown out because the evidence is bad, only uh, out of the 25 court cases that were actually decided on the basis of the evidence presented, 18 of them were ruled in favor of the plaintiff, i.e. ruled in favor of the people that are alleging election fraud. So go to election-integrity.info for information on those court cases, and you can debunk all the people that are attempting to say that none of this evidence is real. It's real, and uh, people need to start looking at that. But I I actually... um, Anyway, all that information is up at Lexington.org. You know, Patrick, interestingly, and and this is important for folks to uh, know and understand, uh, that uh, many, many cases have been filed. uh, 80 to 100, I think, is where it's at or where it was the last time I checked. Uh, And the vast majority of them are thrown out on procedural technical grounds, including those that have been appealed and all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. They don't hear the cases. They don't look at the merits. They don't look at the substance of the cases. There's only a handful, a couple dozen, that have looked at the merits of the cases. And as you point out, 18 of them uh, have been in favor of uh, the plaintiffs. Only a few have ruled against because of the seven left over. uh, Several of those were thrown out for reasons not related to the merits, even though they were looking at uh, the merits. And so uh, when they say it's been debunked by the courts, nothing to see here, just move on and ignore it. And, uh, you know, let's let's deal with the policies of uh, Joe Biden. Let's deal with the death and the blood in the streets and the lack and, and American citizens not being able to return home and gas prices through the roof and five and a half trillion dollar budgets and pouring money into the market, uh, into the marketplace and all of the uh, uh, jobs that people are taking and the closures and the fact that everything's shut down. Let's just deal with all of that 
let's not go back and look at uh, the, in, the integrity of the election. Well, Patrick Kolbeck is not allowing that. Uh, is he is traveling uh, the country to talk about this. What does it mean, Patrick, that routers are connected to the Internet? What, you know, for those who aren't tech savvy, so what? Well, first of all, i got to introduce a key term when it comes to election fraud. And, and you, with your legal background, you know it's a key term in the courtroom, and that is chain of custody. Yep. And, and we talk about chain of custody in criminal court cases. If you can't maintain chain of custody um, and you're in a criminal court case and the judge is uh, ruling on a case that it depends upon uh, a specific piece of evidence, and if you can't maintain the chain of custody around that evidence, um, any good judge is going to throw that court case out, right? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. In elections, when it comes to elections, there are, I mean, I've, I've done some very detailed process maps around the election process and how they're supposed to be at, uh, executed. I mean, my engineering background, um, I applied it when I was vice chair of the Senate Elections and Government Reform Committee. I actually mapped out all of our election processes from voter registration to in-person voting, to absentee voting, to certification of the vote. So I got a pretty good process knowledge. Um, but it's difficult to talk about all that on the radio. <laughs> so what I do is I simplify a discussion of all the handoffs that happen in those processes to focus in on just four key links in, in the election record chain of custody. And these four key links are, number one, the qualified voter file. That's a statewide voter registration database that is a compilation of everybody who's allowed to vote in that state. The next key link in the chain of custody is that of the poll book. The poll book is nothing but a precinct-specific extract of the qualified voter file, and it's used by poll workers to determine who gets a ballot and who does not get a ballot, whether it's an absentee ballot or whether or not it's an in-person ballot. Um, And then the next link is very important, that's the ballot, right? That's what everybody will try to tell you that if you just go off and count the ballots, that'll tell you who won. Really? Not so much, as it turns out, because if you've broken those first two links, that qualified voter file and the poll book, you don't know how many of the ballots that are in that ballot box are from real voters or were cast by those by the actual voters that were supposed to have cast it. If you break that firewall, that little gateway called the poll book, you open the door to a um, bunch of fake ballots and ballot stuffing exercises that we have a lot of evidence of in this last election. And then the last link in the chain of custody is that of the vote tally. The basic links in the chain of custody, the simplified version of, uh, of the chain of custody for elections is the qualified voter file bones connected to the poll book bone, connected to the ballot bone, connected to the vote tally bone. Fascinating and simple. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's simply put. And it makes sense. Uh, we're going to yep. take a uh, short break here, uh, Patrick, and, and come right back. And I want to talk about the, uh, uh, the four parts of chain of custody and how you think uh, or there, there is evidence that some or most of those uh, were broken during this last election opening the door to widespread fraud. I remind everyone that in the states of Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin, there was a total of less than 50,000 votes that separated the two candidates in those three states total. 
And those three states, if they'd have gone from the candidate who now has them certified to the other candidate, it would have shifted the result of the election. 50,000 approximately votes. And that's it. So when you hear people say, ah, you know, fraud, might have been a few hundred here or there. Well, first off, not necessarily. And second, it, it just, in those three states, it just did not, would not have taken that many votes to shift. And you know they're looking closely at Arizona. They're about to look very closely at Wisconsin. And they are, uh, there are lawsuits going on in Georgia uh, to press the point. We're talking now about Michigan with Patrick Kolbeck. We'll be back after this very short uh, break. Again, don't go far. Go to ParkerDK.com, however. Stay tuned. Term state senator from the state of Michigan, Patrick Kolbeck, who was a poll challenger, statutorily allowed poll challenger in the state of Michigan during the 2020 election. And he is talking today on the Victory Hour about what he saw in terms of election irregularities and some of the issues that he has dug into since that time. Uh, On the other side of the break, Patrick, we were talking about the four building blocks of chain of custody as it relates to an election, and in particular this past election. The qualified voter file, the poll book, the ballot itself, and the vote tally. And when it comes to that chain of custody... Where does connection to the Internet come in? Well, first of all, I want to remind everybody, if you break any single link in that chain of custody, you've broken the whole chain of custody, and you should never certify an election if you've broken any link in it. Yes. Where the Internet connection comes in is that it allows you to go off and make sure that all those links are in sync with one another. So... One of the reasons I was crawling around on the floor of the, in Detroit at the TCS Center to determine whether or not these tabulators were linked to the Internet is because um, if it was, it was providing early forecasts as to what the election results were. And if you have early forecasts of what the election results are, that means you give any nefarious actors that may be interested in those election results and modifying those election results a heads up so that they know um, what kind of an order to put in for ballots to stuff it in into the ballot box before the polls close. And so uh, that's one reason Internet uh, connection is uh, very important. It also allows malware in there to allow more um, advanced uh, vote modification techniques, um, such as inserting malware into the program or leveraging non-certified software that should never have been installed on any of the machines inside of Michigan. It's a, I'm going to get a little techie on you for a second, but it's called SQL Server Management Studio. It's not part of the Election Assistance Commission certified build, but what it allows you to do is actually modify 
the entries in your databases. So whether that's the voters in the poll books, whether or not it's the vote tallies that you're collecting and disseminating and sharing with all points upstream. Um, if you are connected to the Internet, you can inject SQL, known as SQL scripts, to go off and modify those databases or subsets thereof. And so that's why it's a concern. You do not want to show that these are connected to the Internet because we already have other evidence that demonstrates that there's software that's installed that goes well beyond, you know, somebody installing backgammon or poker on their machine. These are actually applications that can modify the contents of our election databases. So if you're connected to the Internet, you are opening the door to nefarious actors manipulating the election, and you cannot demonstrate that you have a certified software configuration. Do you have any knowledge, Patrick, about uh, Dominion voting systems and their hackability from outside? Oh, it's almost like they were designed to be hacked and to, and to manipulate. Now, I can't say that they directly were responsible for modifying anything in the election, but they sure heck, sure the heck built one heck of a lockpick set for anybody who wanted to be the, the election thief. So, Did you um, see the allowed- um, before this election and previous elections, uh, many, in fact, in the Democratic Party uh, were all over the airwaves saying that Dominion voting systems are open for hacking uh, at any time. And, in fact, there was that case down in Georgia where the court, the judge, found that uh, Dominion voting systems, uh, it wasn't a matter of if but when they would be fully hacked. Yeah, and and the funny thing is it's not just Dominion. They all have a common backbone or uh, um, inside all these different voting systems. But we in Michigan have two other systems, Hard Systems and ESNS. And they all have the same basic backbone. They're all sitting on the SQL server. So even if the application or the voting system application itself wasn't corrupted, it's got some common infrastructure that can be leveraged by people with malintent um, without too much effort. So this is uh, this whole idea of electronic voting systems that all the Democrats were warning us about all their vulnerabilities. And, and uh, this is as recent as, like, uh, March 20th uh, a, of 2020, HBO put out a documentary called Kill Chain, where they're yeah. demonstrating how easy it is to go off and hack into a machine and how vulnerable they were if they were connected to the Internet. Um, and, uh, and magically, something got fixed between March 2020 and November 2020. And, and I don't know about you, but I haven't heard about what those fixes are. Have you? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, we're talking to Patrick uh, Kolbeck who uh, was a poll challenger in Wayne County, Michigan, during the November 3, 2020 uh, election and uh, uh, is a two-term state senator from the state of Michigan, as well as an aerospace engineer. Uh, And I want to make sure everyone has this. Let's fix stuff dot org. L-E-T-S-F-I-X-S-T-U-F-F dot org. Let's fix stuff.org if you're interested in more information uh, regarding uh, Patrick's uh, view and what he has gathered on uh, the integrity or lack thereof of this uh, recent election. Uh, Patrick, one final question. Uh, we have about a minute left. Uh, since you have come out, you've been a vocal critic of uh, the election and the results and the certification of the results. Uh, have uh, have you been impacted? Has 
your life been impacted? Have you been threatened in any way? Yeah, I've been threatened quite a bit. Um, essentially, first of all, I, I put my whole professional career on hold. This is all I'm doing is focused on exposing this election fraud. So um, from that perspective, this is not the way I had intended to spend the years after getting out of the Senate is, uh, is working on exposing election fraud. But for me, there's no other more important issue that's out there. And I, I actually stepped down from my position as the CEO of the Michigan Armed Forces Hospitality Center the July before the election because I saw what was being planned. I saw the direction of uh, how our the Democrats in charge of the elections here in Michigan were using COVID as an excuse to subvert the integrity of our election process. So I, I've been at it full time since then. Now, um, I've been called out um, as by Dominion with a couple of cease and desist letters. Obviously, you can tell I'm not ceasing and desisting because this is too important. Um, I've got a, if you want to see those letters for yourself, you can go to a website I put together called ExposeElectionFraud.com. A lot of websites, sorry, but uh, um, that's the only way we can get information out typically nowadays is by giving people direct URLs to share. And then that's ExposeElectionFraud.com. And then most recently, the Michigan Senate came out with a report. These are my former colleagues out in the Senate. And uh, they issued a report encouraging the Michigan Attorney General to go off and investigate folks like myself who continue to push the narrative of election fraud. And uh, I can tell you that is nothing, that is so frustrating to see something like that happen. But as a matter of fact, right now I'm on the way to one of the signatories to that report and making sure that his constituents are aware of his views on election fraud and what he's chosen to ignore in this past election. Well, it's a shame that you are having to uh, deal with all of that. Uh, agree or disagree with Patrick Kolbeck, uh, look at the information uh, that he has, and he has a right to speak out, and he should not be silenced by the government. And that's what's occurring or attempting to occur in Michigan uh, because of its governor, uh, because of its attorney general, and the politics that are going on in Michigan. Ignore all of what you see and just move on. Nothing to see here. Patrick, thank you so much for being with us uh, today on the Victory Hour. It's been absolutely outstanding, educational, informative. Let's fix stuff.org, expose election fraud.com, and election integrity.info. Go to any one of those three uh, to learn more. Patrick Kolbeck, thank you. Godspeed. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us today on the Victory Hour. Well, thank you for your work on getting out the truth. I, the Victory Hour is a perfect name for this because I believe in the end the truth will be victorious. So thank you. Thank you, Patrick. That's Patrick Kolbeck, two-term state senator from the state of Michigan, a poll challenger during the 2020 election in Wayne County, the critical county that decided Michigan ultimately. And uh, really a patriot who uh, is trying to seek the truth and is out working to get the truth and won't be silenced even by threats that he has received. 
Well, we're going to be right back for our final segment. We're going to talk a little about Afghanistan. Make sure to stay with us for that. In the meantime, go to parkerdk.com. Learn about the premier litigation law firm, the law firm that will defend your constitutional rights, whether it be related to uh, vaccine mandates or your right to speak, your right, your freedom of speech rights, which are so important and are under assault in this country today. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're back. It's the victory hour. And uh, we have one segment left, and we're going to talk about Afghanistan as we have tied it to integrity of the election. That's, that's right, because we are now dealing with, we're living through, tragically living through, what may be the most embarrassing debacle in U.S. foreign policy history in terms of an individual incident, and that is the evacuation of Afghanistan. Now, as we all know, Donald J. Trump uh, entered into an agreement with the Taliban back in relatively, uh, I think it was March of 2020, might have been the end of February. And uh, at, at some time in 2021, maybe early 2022, U.S. military forces were going to leave Afghanistan. When Joe Biden uh, got elected, he uh, was fully intending to move forward with that, and he has done that. He did it in the worst possible way at perhaps the worst possible time. Here are my thoughts on the subject of Afghanistan. Number one, the U.S. repeatedly for 20 years told the Afghanis, with everyone watching around the world, everyone listening, and we made a point of it to tell the Afghanis because they were saying, you're going to cut and run just as you have done in the past in other uh, areas of the world and in the Middle East. How can we trust you? And it was a promise upon a promise upon a promise. We will not abandon you like we did decades ago with respect to you and others. We will not abandon you like we did in Iraq. Now, I'm not saying these are right or wrong abandonment, but they are abandonments. We won't do it. All right. So that was repeatedly promised with everyone watching. Now, at the same time, on the back end of that, you all know, and it's being reported, that Iran throughout that time period also met with the Afghanis, and they said, the U.S. will abandon you. Believe me, they will. And when they do, we will be here for you, whenever that is. Because if you uh, know one thing about tribal leaders, about terrorist organizations, or about radical Islam, it is a long game in their perspective. It is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Not in the longest or in the uh, in the d- most direct meaning of those terms. It could take a hundred years. They're fine with it. They're in it for the long game. Not like so much of Western civilization, where everything is immediate gratification, immediate review, immediate response. Number three, 
we not only abandoned the Afghanis, we left those who trusted us behind in the hands of murderers. And before we did it, we released the worst of the worst from the Bagram Air Force Base to other prisons. Those that have been held for years and years because they are the worst of the worst, terrorists and murderers. We left them behind. Oh, and what else did we leave behind? Billions of dollars of U.S. killing equipment. We also left that behind. We send a message. This is number four. We send a message to every ally questioning whether to trust us. Do not do it. Don't do it. And NATO is all but destroyed. The impact that this decision and the manner in which we've done it has on NATO, you can see it now. For the first time, I believe, in world history, on the floor of Parliament, the U.S. president was called out as disgraceful, shameful. No previous president had had been uh, called out as such. Not Donald Trump, not George W. Bush, not Barack Obama, nor Bill Clinton, nor any prior, I believe. So that's what we say to our allies. That's what happened. Uh, that That's the destruction of, of NATO. Maybe it can be put to, back together, maybe not. And to our enemies, the word is, just wait us out until the right administration comes along. Never give in to the U.S. if you're fighting against them. They will leave. They'll get tired. They will not put together a winning strategy while they're there. And the longer it drags out, they'll become wary and weary. What kind of a recruitment tool is this for our enemies? It's enormous. Terrorism threat has never been higher than it is now. Why? Because of Joe Biden and our veterans. Initially last week, I had the word demoralized underlined related to our veterans. Now it's worse than that. It's blood on the hands of Joe Biden. Because the deaths that have occurred this past week should never have occurred. Never have the, should they have occurred. We are talking about a tribal enemy that we could not deal with as the strongest force in the world. Why? Because of total and utter incompetence in the handling of a withdrawal. Who among you would have withdrawn the military first, leaving citizens and our friends who helped us for so many years to fend for themselves? Who would have done that? None of you would have. Well, that's what our president did. It's a shame. It's wrong. Should have never happened. Let's make the right choice next time. Well, it's another hour of victory. And next week, we're going to have David Clements with us, professor from New Mexico State University who has dug into the issues of the 2020 election as we'll have part two of our series regarding election integrity or lack thereof with Professor uh, David Clements. So make sure to join us. And until then, have a great week. Parker Daniels Keyboard, Wise Counsel, Winning Results. For more information, go to ParkerDK.com. Until next time, he leaves you with these words from Winston Churchill. All the great things are simple, and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.